0: Welcome to the podcast where we talk to guests about five moments in their lives they'll never forget. This is Backstory with Steve Legg. It's fabulous to have you with me today on the new show, where I bring together an incredible array of stars of stage and screen, stand-up comedians and magicians, writers and artists. Leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the five significant times in their lives they'll never forget. It's great to have you here. And on today's show, I chat to one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Yes, it's Kathy Madavan, an accomplished speaker and best-selling author. Kathy travels far and wide, encouraging and equipping others to live with courage, confidence and resilience. Having faced her fair share of life's ups and downs, Kathy's wisdom and honesty inspires others to build lives of purpose, responding positively to their own challenges and opportunities. With her equally brilliant husband Mark, they built a big and thriving church on the south coast of England. It's great to have her. It's Kathy Madavan. Yay! <laughs> Hello.
1: Oh, what an introduction. Do you say that everyone is your favourite, though? That's what I want to know. No,
0: you are one of my favourites. You really are.
1: One of them. But yeah. you have like 4,000
0: favourites. Oh, 3,000, maybe. <laughs> Don't exaggerate. <laughs> Hello, Kathy. Lovely to be with you. you You're have... one of my favourites, too. Oh, you say that to everyone as well. True. <laughs> you have built a church, you and Mark, not just planted and grown a church. You've actually built one, haven't you?
1: Well, not with our own fair hands, but yes, um, the last 10 years have seen us on a fairly large building journey and about five and a half million pounds and a lot of blood, sweat and tears later, we've got a wonderful new facility for not just the church, but the entire community to use. It's been used as a food bank and all kinds of community help stuff at the moment. So it's, it's an amazing, amazing achievement. Exhausting, but amazing.
0: Do you know what? If I was wearing a hat, I'd be taking it off. I'll take my hat off to you I really would but I don't look good in hats do you look good in hats? I actually do I quite like a hat do you know what I look good though I say so myself in a sailor's hat I just wish I could wear um, uh, a baseball cap I just my head is the wrong sort of shape
1: well that's yeah I mean you need to stick to the sailor's cap then you bring that trend back
0: in officer and a gentleman
1: Uh, yeah yeah I'll leave you and Becca to talk about that one okay
0: (laughs) <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, officer and a gentleman, um, you, Kathy Mathervan, once played the lead role in a musical. Let's kick off with that as your first memory, if we can.
1: Yeah, in fact, I just heard a little recording this week of me back in the day when I was about 13. And that is like a real highlight moment for me because um, I was just thinking back and thinking music was such a massive part of my childhood which wasn't always the happiest of childhoods and it was you know there was lots of tension in in our home but actually playing the piano and singing and my music department and my music teachers meant the world to me they were like my my second family and sometimes a bit more of a functional one at that and when I was given this role um to have the lead in this musical I was about 13 or 14 it was a game changer for me I'd never realized that I could stand on stage with confidence or that I could even sing that well and it you know kind of really set a trajectory for me and really built up my confidence and my self-belief as well so it was a very special moment. Do you remember what the musical was? Yes it was called Smike do you know that one it's kind of based on Oliver and um, kind of oh, okay. Dickens and Oliver and I was the orphan awesome Smike so it it's got Nicholas Nickleby in it, and it was, kind of, it was great fun. Really good, really good fun musical. Oh, I love it. This is the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg
0: and friends. So there we are, Cathy Madavani. This is all very painless, isn't it? and we like to learn things about I guess the things I've learned has been phenomenal from people I've known for years and years um so I never knew you were in a musical I've always fancied being Danny Zuko
1: oh and I I want to be a living John so badly so maybe we We could set something up
0: if we only knew someone on the south coast with a big venue uh, who had the keys
1: <laughs> it's karaoke time Let's come on it.
0: this time next year uh so, <laughs> so you were 13 14 then you moved house when you were when you were 15 that can be quite a significant moment in our lives tell us about that for you
1: well, it was the first time i'd moved house i've moved house many times since but um for me that was uh really you know i think sometimes our moments are pivot points and they can be positive pivot points or they can be ones like linked to real sadness, and for me, leaving that family home was the culmination of my mum and dad having separated many times, finally getting divorced and moving um, areas. And you know, it was just before GCSEs. It was just at the point of my life where I was wondering who I was, what it was about, and and it kind of did start a few a few really dark years for me, actually, and that moving moving house, moving away from the childhood home was, was really tricky. I've got a real heart for, you know, teenagers who's, whose parents split up because I know how challenging that I can be. Really proud of the way that my parents have rebuilt their, their lives. And obviously, you know, it's, it's all a memory now, but at the time it was pretty difficult.
0: What sort of advice would you, would you give for single parents or, or parents, you know, about to split up, worried about impact on their kids?
1: Well, I mean you're you've got a lot of experience in this area and you probably give better advice than me, Steve. But I think the main the main thing is to not weaponize your children. Mm. And I think, you know, I was very much caught between the middle of my parents and I couldn't do anything right really. And they of course hurt people, hurt people and they were really hurting and probably they just didn't have the skills and the the background themselves to know how best to walk this path. Maybe they didn't have the support or the faith or the friends to help them. To and at that time, divorce was still you know quite unusual. It was I was probably the first child in my in my class um, who went through that. Um, so it's not like they were well equipped, um, but it, it was really difficult. And I was very much you know having to tread on eggshells the whole time and and each parent trying to use me against the other. Just don't do that. <laughs> mm.
0: And of course, these days you are all grown up with your own teens, aren't you? Tell us about your girls.
1: Uh, well, actually, they're in their 20s now. You I can't are kidding it. me. Yeah. I know, right? Really. So Naomi has uh, just completed her university education, has just started work from home in lockdown. She'd like to be somewhere else, but she's back here. <laughs> and, Iz- and Isabella is halfway through her graphic design degree also, at home and paying for rent somewhere else, which is incredibly annoying, but working from home here, so that they're, they're doing the best they can in their limited circumstances.
0: You're listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the memories. So, what a joy to be speaking to someone in my top 3,000 friends. <laughs> <laughs> We we all we often we often catch up, don't we, during the course of the year and and uh, when we are able to get together for for dinner or drinks or whatever. Uh, and of course, oh, we, we love sit, a bit of leg. We we do we love it. We love hanging out, don't we? And we normally hang out at Spring Harvest as well. So it's so sad that we're not at Spring Harvest this year. But oh, no. um, it just can't happen, can it? Going to miss it. Oh, big time! Your faith is really important to you, I know, and I know it started sitting on a bench.
1: <laughs>
0: Tell us more. I know.
1: I know, some people might sit on a pew. For me, <laughs> it's all about the bench. So no, actually it was extraordinary. It was when I was at university and it was kind of during those dark years I mentioned earlier and really struggling to work out who I was and where I was and um, really just uh, had been introduced to faith by someone at university who was telling me about it, but wasn't sure whether it was sounded too good to be true, to be honest. And I remember being, um, just saying to God, if you're real, you need to show me that you're real. And I remember sitting on this bench in Plymouth, where I was at university, overlooking this golf course. And this elderly man walking past and asking if he could sit on the bench next to me. And I was like, yeah, sure, knock yourself out. And he sat down and he said, oh, young lady, I hope it's okay to say this, but I don't normally live in this country. I'm something called a missionary. But as I walked past you, I just felt like it was very important for me to tell you that God loves you. And I knew at that moment that, you know that that this this prayer—I didn't even know it was a prayer—but this question I'd asked, is, "Is it real? Are you really there?" had been answered, and I just raced back to the university to find the chaplain um, and to ask, you know, "Well, God, if you're real, like how can I, how can I turn my life around so that you're involved in it?" And it was very powerful. I won't, I won't ever forget that. And it also really makes me think how brave that. That old man was. And that sometimes if we are a person of faith and we feel a nudge to say something to somebody, we've got no idea how pivotal that one sentence might be. So it's, you know, to be courageous. If if we feel we've got a word of encouragement or hope or, you know, faith for somebody, you know, it can make such a difference
0: and in one sense it's much easier to actually do it in our modern days you know i i'm a real fan of texting people if someone pops into my head i often text them and just say hi how you doing we're thinking of you and it can mean the world people
1: exactly so true i just emailed someone this morning exactly because of that i woke up thinking of them and it's just um you know we've got you know i think it, it does say doesn't it that our words have the power to build up or tear down and totally. it doesn't take a lot actually just to you know, build someone
0: up a bit. Love it, Kathy. In the latest bumper edition of Sorted Magazine, big name exclusive interviews, Hollywood A-listers, TV adventurer Bear Grylls, inspirational true life stories, adrenaline-fueled sports features, all this plus gadgets, entertainment, motoring, movies and technology, plus probably the greatest team of Christian writers ever assembled. Available now from high street retailers nationwide or visit sortedmag.com. Sorted. Sorted. For men, for life. Now, here I am with Kathy Madivan. Now, we've joked uh, that you're in my top 35,000 friends, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you getting are. Larger, that have you noticed? <laughs> but seriously, now, seriously, uh, you are in my probably my top three people who communicate brilliantly. It's got to be you. Jeff Lucas, Jay John, outstanding speakers, and well, um, now
1: that is quite that. I write that down and put it on my business
0: card immediately. It's true, Kathy. You're flipping brilliant. We can listen to you for. I mean, my concentration span is terrible, but Jeff, Jay John, and you, I could easily. 45 minutes, an hour, no sweat at all. So you're a great communicator. We see you speaking at Spring Harvest and New Wine in front of thousands and thousands of people. You must have had some embarrassing moments. Tell us about Kathy Madovan's most embarrassing faux pas on stage. Don't tell well, me there you haven't are, got there
1: are, <laughs> there are too many to mention and um, you know, speaking at conferences are, is just kind of prime for you know disasters with your, with your dress, with all kinds of different things. But I'm quite well known for the fact that my accent changes all the time. And I'm constantly getting people saying, oh, are you from Australia? Are you from Birmingham? Are you from Yorkshire? Are you from?" So my accent tends to change. But worse than that, I sometimes just mispronounce things really badly. And people still contact me and laugh about a couple of years ago when I was at Spring Harvest. And I was telling a story about um, having some people over for dinner or something. And I talked about the fizzy drink, which is called, I thought it was called, Shloé. Other drinks are available. <laughs> um, and I was thought I was making a very powerful, important point, and I didn't realise what, what, I couldn't understand why everyone was laughing. Of course, afterwards, I get 6,000 people going, it's slur. Like, it's just, it's, it's not. And even now, when we have something, we put the bottle of whatever it is on the table, people just laugh about it. And people still... I don't remember the serious, significant spiritual points I was making. They just remember the fact that I said "schloe." It, it looks like that. Does it not look like that?
0: Do you know what it does? And it's very interesting because I often correct people. I, I love Prosecco and Champagne and uh, Moet and Chandon. And people say, no, it's Moet because it's M-O-E-T. But it is actually Moet because it's, a, it's, a, it's some Dutch brothers uh, so, um, yeah, I had an embarrassing one um, a couple of years ago at Spring Harvest. I'd just come off stage uh, in, in the all-age worship, which which we used to lead, and a lady with a guide dog asked if I could uh, assist her, take her to the toileting area. So uh, I took her outside to a mound of grass, and she meant for herself, not the dog. So um, that was, uh, <laughs> I know, oh, Steve. that was really awkward, but these things happen, don't they? <laughs> You're listening to the Backstory Podcast, where we remember the good times, the things you love, the things you are, the things you never want to lose. Kathy Madivan. man, we have, this is, we have shot through these, haven't we? we got one left. Oh, I know. Get up. Yeah, which involves Mark, who we love as well. Mark is flipping brilliant and an inspirational guy. So tell us about your last memory in a doctor's room with Mark.
1: Well, this is somewhat linked to your embarrassing moment, actually. It's not uh, in some ways. uh, It was a long time ago now when Mark was about 25 years old and I was about 21 when we had uh, a really pivotal doctor's appointment where we realized that um, what we thought was a very minor eyesight issue with Mark was actually uh, a a disease that was diagnosed as retinitis pigmentosa. And I will never forget that. That meeting with that consultant or the social worker who came in afterwards with her guide dog and explained to us what was ahead and that Mark would lose all of his eyesight and um, you're you're that young you know you're that young and that he stopped driving on that day was registered partially sighted on that day it was a complete shock we had absolutely no idea that the trajectory of of life was going to change in the way that it did and in some ways we left that that meeting nothing had changed but in other ways everything had changed and we kind of entered this club that no one wants to join of people who have had a diagnosis that that they never wanted to receive and there there are good things about that club as well you do meet some incredible people and certainly we've grown to have an empathy and a compassion with people who are living with all kinds of long-term chronic illnesses or degenerative conditions or additional needs and um, there are some amazing people out there dealing with great resilience and great courage, some very very challenging situations, and uh, it's certainly not the fairy tale that we had planned. And it is it is incredibly challenging and gets more challenging every year um, as the final bits of Mark's eyesight kind of slip away now. Uh, but you know, it all started back back then. But there've been so many moments along the way, really, on that on that journey, and it's part of life but it is also part of ministry because it does mean that we can care about and come alongside others. And that means a huge amount to us. Mm.
0: Were you ever tempted to, to say to God, push off?
1: <laughs> well, the, you know, the funny thing is, um, not really. I mean, well, of course we ask the question why, um, but then Mark always says, well, why not? Yes. You know, there's there's not, you know, it's not kind of, it, it's not as easy to say, you know, I, oh, well, you know, some people should experience suffering and others shouldn't. I think for me, because God had so radically changed my life and restored me from such a difficult childhood, I didn't have a question about whether God was real or... uh, But I did have to make lots of choices and still do to kind of make sure that I'm walking this path with Him because it's quite easy to try and do it on your own and to get incredibly discouraged because you just run out of your own resources. But actually, you know, to know that He is with me—that wonderful Psalm twenty-three, "The Lord is my shepherd." Um, to know that He is walking with me, I think sometimes is sometimes it's the only thing you've got left to hang on to on a dark day, and it's it can be a real a real beacon of hope. People say sometimes faith is a crutch, and I'm like, I'm fine with that. We all need a crutch. Just... It's more than that. It's more than that, but it's also a, a real kind of something really good to hold on to when things are difficult.
0: Kathy, you've written a brilliant book on resilience that is really helpful, really honest, and really down to earth. What nuggets would you give to people really struggling right now?
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm. I've been thrilled that Irrepressible, the book Irrepressible, which you know released in lockdown, the worst possible time, <laughs> yes. but it has been the perfect subject for this season and i think really the the thing i would just if i had to pick one nugget if out of the 12 principles in that book it would be to just do the next right thing when the road ahead is uncertain when you can't see where you're going when you don't know what's ahead of you just do the one next thing like pick up the phone to that person or have that conversation or Google that thing that you need to do or, you know, just put something nice on, like clothes on or go for a walk, whatever. Just one thing that would take you towards where you want to be rather than just looking backwards or getting stuck in, in a spiral of doom. Just ask yourself today, what's the one thing that I could do that would actually help me to move forward today? That's just one one little nugget.
0: That is a brilliant nugget. That really is. And we can listen to you on Radio 2 every so often, can't we? Your your dulcet tones.
1: Yes, I'm currently um, doing Pause for Thought. You do them in blocks of four, so I'm I'm halfway through those at the moment. Um, On the late night slot on OJ Borg's show, he is brilliant. But you can actually catch them up online on the Radio 2 kind of clips website as well. So I really enjoy doing that. Or oh, I put them on my Facebook page as well, if people are
0: interested Brilliant. And are you on the road hopefully this year again?
1: Well who knows, Steve, you know, who knows? The road might be just the digital highway. Who knows? But I hope so. Um, often with care for the family or at different conferences or events, but I, I at the moment the diary is up in the air, as I'm sure yours is.
0: Oh man, tell me about it. It really is, yeah. Kathy Madovan, you've been absolutely brilliant. Thanks a million.
1: You've been listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Catch you next time.